Welcome to this edition of City Minutes. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Paul Swinney, who is the Centre's Director of Policy and Research, to talk about our new report, At the Frontier, the Geography of the UK's New Economy. Paul, let's start with some definitional clarification. What do we mean by the term new economy? Oh, I love a definitional question. It's a great place to start. So there's a question of, of, in principle, what we're trying to capture, and then in practice, how do we go about doing that? So in principle, we're trying to look at a range of industries that are on the frontier of the economy, the cutting edge of the, of the economy that are new and emerging. Um, and these what we think are important because they're the ones that are innovating. They're the ones that are coming up with new ideas, using new information, creating new ways of doing things and really pushing the economy on. And these sectors actually have a lot of interest around them, but actually very difficult to define because they're new. You know, so it's hard to pin them down. It's hard to know what, what is this new industry that's emerging, particularly through the standard definition that we use, which is the standard industrial um, classifications, um, which are used you know, in the UK and, and across Europe. These things almost by design are backward looking and so can't pick up these new shoots of the economy as they emerge. So what we wanted to do is say, well, let's look at the geography of, of this part of the economy, understand where and where it is. But of course, then the challenge is, is you know, if it's hard to identify, then how on earth do you go looking at it? So this is where I think there's something quite interesting, quite new and quite exciting through the research that we did, is that we've taken data from the Data City, uh, a company based in Leeds, which uh, scrapes uh, the websites of, of UK companies um, to identify the companies themselves, but then uses the words that they use to self-identify themselves to then put them into buckets of classifications of what they call uh, real-time industrial classifications. So that allows them to come up with 48 broad, um, uh, broad strands to the new economy, uh, sectors like fintech, uh, sectors like advanced manufacturing, sectors like ad tech, for example. Um, and when we through this data, we can then look and understand what they look like, what's their geography, you know, and what do we then learn from that? And what does it then mean for policy? And so the new economy, when we've looked at it, spans, you know, the classic sort of standard in industrial classifications on the one hand, and it's broadly, it's in manufacturing and it's in services as well. It's not just in one bit of the economy. Totally. And I think this is something we're really keen to push with the report in that, um, Trying to pick out individual sectors has been um, a real hobby of local and national policymakers for it seems like decades now. You know, where the centre of health tech or where the centre of, of ed tech or whatever it is. But the key thing from, from this research is that we're actually looking at a number of different industries and those industries co-locate and those industries coalesce as well. And you even see this in, term, in, the, in the, the names of some of these industries, fintech. Fintech is finance and technology that then came together to create a new way of doing things. I think if you look at individual sectors, you miss this co-location and you miss this coalescing between them. Um, but also, I think it, it gives uh, policymakers probably a spurious sense of, of precision in that they're able to go in and just help this one sector, when really what they should be trying to do is help this, this crucible of, of the new economy, of all these different uh, sectors that are probably looking for very similar things in terms of skills, commercial space, et cetera. And if you get a number of them growing, you're probably going to get your economy growing as well. And we're looking at the, the new economy. You touched on it in, in your comments just then. We're looking at the economy, not just for the sake of looking at it, but actually because we think it's an important part of the economy and it's associated with a bunch of other things that we would want to see happening in the economy. Just say a little bit more about that. Yes. Yeah, so what we've seen from previous research is that those cities that uh, have done very well um, in the last 100 years have been ones that have been able to constantly reinvent their economies. 
And it's inevitable that certain sectors will decline. You know, there's growth, there's stagnation, then there's decline uh, of sectors over the years. But then the key thing is not trying to protect or support those sectors that are, that are stagnating and declining. It's actually about trying to encourage this new activity as it emerges, because it's this new activity that's going to push on productivity, that's going to push on economic performance. And the crucial thing is for, for individual places about how are they then providing the foundations in order to get these types of sectors to grow. And crucially, it's really hard to predict what they're going to be because we can identify today what the new economy is broadly through the data we've done, uh, we've used. We can't identify what the new economy is in 10 years time. We can't identify today what it's going to be in 20 years time. So it is about getting those broad conditions right in order to encourage the creation and growth of these types of sectors because this is what's going to push on prosperity. This is what's going to drive up productivity. This is what's going to increase standards of living uh, for people living not just in cities, but around them and beyond them, you know, in 10, 15, 20, 30 years time. Great. So let's turn to uh, to look at the, the geography of the new economy. Just say a little bit about how the new economy is distributed across the UK. So we find the new economy in, in many different parts of the of the UK, um, and sometimes in some relatively surprising uh, places on the face of it. But the overarching pattern, despite that, is that the new economy clusters within cities. So UK cities, 63 largest cities and, and towns that we look at, cover 9% of land, but 58% of new economy businesses uh, locate within those urban areas. And then when we zoom in and look at city centres in particular, we see this clustering is especially apparent. So the 63 largest, 63 largest city centres account for just 0.1% of land, but 13% of new economy businesses are registered in those centres. Now, the question is, well, why is that? What's going on there? Well, it's the agglomeration story. What we're looking at here in terms of the new economy is we're looking at businesses that are especially acute uh, or alive to the benefits of agglomeration because they're using knowledge uh, they're, trying, they're sharing knowledge, they're coming up with new ideas and information, and that's what cities excel at. They excel at bringing people together, exchanging ideas and information, and coming up with new ways of, of doing things. And so that's why we see agglomeration really um, driving the patterns of the new economy that we see. And this, I think, is then suggested that if we think that the new economy businesses are the ones that are particularly innovative, then it's telling us that the geography of innovation is particularly urban focused and especially city centre focused. OK, so that's the sort of all city perspective. Uh, new economy is overwhelmingly urban and particularly in the core of the of those urban places. Just say a little bit about them when we look at individual cities or the geography of the cities themselves. What's the story there? So it's very clearly a split across the country in terms of how well different places do or how large their new economies are. And we tend to see that uh, the majority of cities and large towns in the greater southeast have, in relative terms, very large new economies uh, within them. They have been able to attract in these, uh, these new businesses in these new growing industries. They have been able to reinvent their economies, whereas places further north, that's much less the case. Um, I think what's interesting within this, too, is that we see that it's 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 a number of different types of new economy business that's, that are attracted to uh, these successful places too. So we tend to get in these discussions about, well, the North does manufacturing and the South does services. But actually, when we look at this new economy element, what we see is that those places that are able to attract in new economy businesses attract in both uh, services and manufacturing new economy businesses. It's not a case that there's a split. These two, these two broad types of, of new economy business are looking for similar things. And the, principally amongst that, skilled workers. And that's what uh, cities in the Greater Southeast uh, offer in bucket loads, but uh, places elsewhere, probably to a, a lesser degree than, than what we may well uh, like them to do. Now, that brings us, I think, to a, another very important point within this. 
in that uh, there's a great spiky map in the in the report. Uh, everyone should go and look at it. We're very excited about this spiky map, which shows you exactly where uh, all these companies are registered. And what you see is that there's a huge spike for London, uh, not unexpected. And there are large spikes too for Manchester, Birmingham and, and Glasgow in particular. These are big places and we do see a large concentration of, of businesses within uh, a new economy business within their centre in particular. But the crucial thing we notice about these big places is that while there are more businesses there, because there are big places, there aren't as many new economy businesses there as maybe we would suspect. And there's a problem there. And this very much then links back to what we know about productivity and the performance from a productivity perspective of, of Birmingham, Manchester and Glasgow in particular. We're seeing this playing through in terms of new economy businesses and that there aren't as many there as maybe what we'd expect given their size. Um, if we then take the assumption that new economy businesses are the ones that drive productivity because they're coming up with new innovations and using new ideas, that will then have an impact on productivity, which then helps explain why we're then seeing this productivity underperformance of these big places too. So outside of the greater southeast, we've we've got a challenge, I think, generally about getting new economy businesses you know, into and growing within uh, within cities outside of the greater southeast. But we've got a particular challenge um, around the biggest places outside of uh, outside the greater southeast. And that's really where uh, I think policy needs to be focusing on and try to tackle that issue. If we are going to see uh, a change in the, the relative performance of the greater southeast compared to the rest of the country. Great. So as well as doing the analysis in the report, we also look at previous policy approaches to encourage in this type of activity. And then we set out a number of recommendations, suggestions about what needs to change from the a policy perspective. So let's get into that. Let's take it in two parts because that's the way we do it in the in the reports. And the first part is, you know, take those three places that you've just outlined and the, the underperformance problem that we, we see Manchester, Glasgow and Birmingham. What do we say needs to happen, particularly for those three places? And then we'll move on to a broader suite of policy that will essentially influence and affect everywhere. Yeah. So I think the guiding tenant of, of what policy should be doing um, in this area, innovation policy, because that's what tends to, to focus on these types of things, two, two points. First is that it shouldn't be too overly specific on industry. Um, it is about thinking about the new economy as a crucible of, of different industries rather than just picking out, you know, cherry picking one industry or, or another industry for a particular place. And the second thing is that it needs to be much more place-based in its approach. You know, these uh, companies are basing themselves with very particular parts of the country because they're looking for very particular benefits that those parts of the country offer, or at least should be offering. Now, this is where the problem is for Manchester, Glasgow and Birmingham in particular, is that they're not offering the agglomeration benefits that they should be around skilled workers, around um, attractiveness of their city centre in particular, around uh, local transport connections in order to make, make them the, the places that these businesses want to go and invest. So we've got a, um, a quite a big policy recommendation for this. Now, um, people might want to sit down when they first hear this number. So what we suggest is that the government should set out a £14.5 billion package over a 10 year period to try and improve performance of these three places in particular. Um, this is something that uh, was suggested originally by Brookings in America for, for, uh, for their struggling places um, across the US. And it is actually something that has been picked up, albeit in smaller form, uh, in the US through the uh, through the CHIPS Act, which Andrew, I know you were speaking very recently to colleagues from Brookings uh, uh, about on uh, on the podcast, and it was very interesting to listen to. So this is very much following in the uh, in, along the lines of what America is trying to do. Now you might say. Fourteen point five billion. Has he totally lost the plot? Like, have you not been listening to what the Chancellor said a couple of weeks in the budget about the mood music, about spending cuts, etc.? Um, well, a lot of this money is already being uh, earmarked. 
So what we're doing is we're actually trying to allocate this cash that has been earmarked already rather than trying to come up with you know, new pots of money, clearly in a, a very challenging fiscal environment. Much of that comes through the, um, the identification that there's going to be a 40% increase in R&D spend outside the Great Southeast. That was a commitment in the levelling up white paper and a commitment that was made a number of times before. And so that sort of forms very much the largest part of this 14.5 billion package. So what we're trying then try to do with this money? Well, what we suggest is that um, we take one billion pounds of that seven billion uh, annual spend and we spend it in those three places. We give it to the most research intensive university um, in those three places because there's evidence, particularly from the US, that there are spillovers into industry from, from, uh, from research intensive universities. And there is that link between university and, uh, and knowledge diffusion. So we, we basically pick three, three of those three universities, back them with large cash. Um, and then we do a number of other things around uh, city centre improvements, so £500 million pounds each for, um, uh, for each of the city centres to try and make them more attractive places to do business. Um, we then extend the city, uh, city region sustainable transport settlement beyond 26-27 for a further five years to improve local transport connections. And then for Glasgow, we should be actually trying to set up the, the, the uh, governance infrastructure that West Midlands and Greater Manchester has. So creating a Greater Manchester Combined Authority with a Metro Provost, if you will, um, with then the uh, the cash and powers behind them that uh, both the, the mayors of the West Midlands and, and Greater Manchester have too. And the idea then of this is that you're doing a very focused and very selective approach um, in a couple of places, you're going with the evidence around, um, tentative evidence around impacts of universities and trying to build out something from there. Now, the key thing about this is that while the literature identifies that there is an impact of universities onto, um, onto the local economy, the mechanisms are really unclear about how that happens. So what we're doing here is where we are experimenting to some extent. And what has to happen if we are going to do this is have uh, evaluation built in from the start to better understand what the mechanisms look like to try and, uh, and learn for the future. So that then when we move on from the first three places to try and encourage it in, in other places, we have a better idea about what it is that we're trying to do because we just don't have that at the moment. Excellent. That's a very, uh, very good point. While we try these things out, we need to be learning from what we're trying to do. Uh, let's go on to this sort of second piece. So that's a very focused, integrated package focused on those three places. But we're also identifying a suite of policies, broader in some respects, that will also then have impacts, positive impacts, we're pretty confident, across a whole range of different places as well. So just outline those as well. Yeah, so there's a, a mix here. There's, there's further place-based ones, and then I think there's some nationally... Uh, nationally uh, policies at the national level which are which will then on place focus but will in, invariably play out uh, differently across different places so on the on the other place based ones so what support should be offered basically to, to places outside these three big places well there's still six billion pounds a year on the table from that seven billion pound uplift that the government has identified it wants to spend on r d spending um so in order to guide that it should set up a spatial strategy so instead of saying we've just got this money and we just have to spend it in different areas, actually set out some guiding principles about what it wants to do. It was actually in the process of doing that and then scrapped it and rolled it into the levelling up white paper. That was a shame. I think we do need that strategy there to, to get the most out of that, that money and guide it the way that it needs to be done. And the second one is to extend the Strength in Places Fund, um, which is a fund that is being used to... Um, uh, to support very specific schemes in different parts of the country, we should do more of that sort of thing. We should evaluate it and be clear about what impact it's going to have, but we should do more of that strength in places um, uh, type uh, approach. 
And then there are a series of things, I think, that are, that are nationally focused that will then have a, a, a local impact. So these national policies should be about trying to increase investment in innovation, but not just innovation, should also go into the things that support innovation too. Because we do have an innovation uh, or an R&D investment problem, but we have a much broader business investment problem full stop. And that's what policy needs to, to tackle, which goes beyond just a very narrow focus on innovation. So what should those things be? Well, we should see an increase in the R&D target from 2.4% up to the uh, OECD average of 2.7%. So an increase in, in national public spending on R&D. We should expand the R&D tax credits uh, scheme um, to uh, encompass a wider range of innovative activities. So interestingly, in Singapore, for example, skills spending is included within R&D. Here, we have made some, exp uh, some expansions in recent years to include maths and a bit of software. Maybe we should be doing more of that and investigating other areas that we want to be uh, trying to encourage, uh, particularly from a humanities perspective. This is not just all about goods production, it should be about services production as well. Um, then we should be looking to uh, reverse the, the cuts on public skills spending we've seen over the last 12 years. So we propose that we should increase uh, skills spending from 5% of GDP to 7% of GDP. In R&D spending, we've been a huge fans of, of talking about hitting certain figures of, of GDP spending, which we're doing exactly the same thing in skills, 5% up to 7%. We shouldn't reduce the human uh, capital tax credit uh, to encourage investment in, in skills from a private sector perspective. Same model as the R&D tax credit, do that for skills. Um, and then we should be thinking about how we uh, use the apprenticeship levy as well. About Is that doing enough to encourage the private sector to invest? There's a policy here already that's trying to do these sorts of things. How effective is it? Should it be broader? Um, should it... Um, be focused on pre-apprenticeship training as well as apprenticeship training, for example, you know, trying to get that to work hard, leveraging more of this private sector investment in skills too. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for that uh, summary, uh, Paul. You can read the report at the frontier, the geography of the UK's new economy on our website, along with all the other uh, material that we produce while we've been doing it. Uh, thanks for listening.